3: The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now, michael at lmfm.ie.
4: Monday morning, the 13th of January. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11 a.m. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. Pensioners are told to expect an increase of €5 a week each year for the next five years. Minister Regina Doherty makes the promise as the canvas begins for election 2020. Minister John Paul Phelan is also focused on winning votes, describing some members of the Green Party as nutters, while the Taoiseach says Fianna Fáil cut... 2,000 hospital beds and that Fine Gael has been reversing that position by adding 1,000 beds since taking office, despite how Fianna Fáil wrecked the economy when it was in government. There is no dispute. A general election is now imminent. Leo Vratker said yesterday that a, a Taoiseach who cannot appoint their own cabinet is a Theshock in name only. And as they all seems set to vote, no confidence in the Minister for Health it seems that the only question now is when will the election be held? So this is put into perspective by Juno McEnroe in The Irish Examiner this morning he says politicians may want to canvass in the summer but when the question is all about when rather than why with regard to an election the incumbent government begins to struggle to maintain control of the political narrative. Juno McEnroe political correspondent with The Irish Examiner is on the phone with us morning good morning to you juno and thanks uh, for joining us here on the program this morning you say this is especially so for the current government and that the Taoiseach is in fact snookered uh, over this vote of no confidence in minister harrison there is no option but to go to the polls
1: yes michael time is running out is emming away for this coalition days are numbered effectively and Taoiseach Leo Radker's interview yesterday while it didn't give us too much specifics. What it did inform us is that he is now accepted that he cannot control it all anymore and that the coalition is, if you want a toothless coalition. Independent TDs on the weekend indicating they will no longer support or people close to them saying that they will not be able to guarantee support for the government if a vote of no confidence was to be tabled against a minister. And we know that the health minister was facing such in early February from rural independence. But mm. so Leah Varadkar's hands very much tied now because the confidence supply deal with Fianna Fáil he had been hoping to, if you want, uh, stretch out the lifetime of this government for some more weeks or months maybe and, and, and meeting with uh, Fianna Fáil leader Miho Martin last week There's expected to be another one potentially tomorrow evening. But because of the situation I've outlined there and really because of the main obstacles are out of the way, the mm. deal in the north has been done the Brexit shambles for the main is over at the moment. And people want maybe to see uh, all that frustration, all those, those obstacles. They want to see some kind of now, I suppose, result from that. And he said there was changed circumstances. He accepted that. And what we had by last night was more or less election fever gripping the parties. Fianna Fáil came out and their deputy leader, Derek Leary, has been appointed director of elections. In a statement, the party said, it was ready to fight and win the next general election. Uh, as you pointed mm. out, John Paul Phelan, the local government minister, he more or less started campaigning in the weekend and in his agency. Yeah. Kenny told the conference that he talked Green- the Greens were nutters. And, of course, auction politics is already at play. Your own minister in your mm. constituency areas there, Regina Doherty, the social protection minister, promising an extra €5 Euro for pensioners over the next five years, if and only if, for mm. Are returned. So the timetable now is really what we're looking at. When will this announcement be made? And it's like a bit of a chess game at the moment. Things are falling into place and we can kind of see where something might be said this week. Mm. Today, the T-shirt goes to the north. Uh, for photographs and for statements with the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and to meet the First and Second Ministers there. And a very
4: significant and historic day after three years without government in Northern Ireland. Extremely. I mean,
1: more or less, paralysis has mm. gripped that, uh, th- th- those counties there where they've had no rule of power, no say uh, when it came to policies or issues like health, you know, which we know mm. is very important. And now those leaders will be back up Uh, The administration there, there's a promise of of cash and, and, you know, for funds, for rail services going north and south from Belfast down through the counties here. So it'll be interesting to see what more the two leaders have to say there Mm. today. Following on from that, we then have the cabinet meeting tomorrow. Probably it's it's pretty sure to say Leo Radcliffe's last with this administration. I think he will more or less thank his ministers for their service. He will speak to his alliance partners or sorry, the the Coalition partners, the Independent Alliance and other independent ministers. And and the same again, courtesy, protocol. These are the words he Mm. said himself yesterday. And he may speak with Bill Martin, as I said. Then we have the resumption of the doll on Wednesday. Believe it or not, for your listeners, may find it Mm. fascinating, the doll only returns on Wednesday after the Christmas break. A long break for TDs, but
4: there you go. The Christmas holidays have finally come to an end.
1: (laughs) Finally for the politicians. (laughs) And it's at that point, really, all eyes would be on the t ship, But he does have a visit, a surprise, uh, a visit from the new, newly appointed European Commission president, Ursula von der Leyen. She is coming to Dublin. Mm. statements will be made, and they're having dinner. So it may be a bit awkward if the, the firing gun was started, if the gun was fired effectively on an election campaign with a T-shirt on Wednesday, but he was hosting a major European figure, and you know that was to be politicized and all mm. the rest. So a lot of people now expect the announcement could be held off until Thursday. There's nothing in the diary. That unfinished business that the Taoiseach spoke of yesterday, those two, and he did say European and British affairs, those would, you would imagine, seem to be out of the way there. Mm. And that would give him some space on Thursday. He'd have control of the narrative. He would go to Orson Tehran, ask the president to dissolve the And um, At that stage, we, we'll, if he announced on Thursday, having done the calculations, you could say he then has two dates he can play with. He can play with February 7th, that's a Friday, Mm -hmm. or the following week, February
4: fourteen, and if the Taoiseach is in a corner as he appears to be and has lost control of uh, control of uh, the doll because he can't win that confidence motion, and uh, that is uh, because Michael Martin has lost control of his party, or specifically control of John McGuinness, a TD who has said that he will break the party line in abstaining on confidence motions and that he would vote no confidence in Simon Harris, uh, and this follows on from uh, the confidence motion uh, in December uh, on uh, Owen Murphy as the Minister for Housing. That vote was won by two. Uh, since then, things have changed quite a, a bit. Darren Murphy has left uh, and Fine Gael don't enjoy that vote anymore. Thomas Springle wasn't in the doll, mm-hmm. an independent TD who undoubtedly would be in the doll for the Harris vote. Uh, and Noel Grealish, another independent TD who supported the government the last time, has said that he will abstain if he He doesn't vote in favour of the no confidence motion. And that leaves John McGuinness then, uh, who has said that he would support the motion as well. Without John McGuinness, uh, the government might have survived, but there's no hope given the position that he's taking.
1: Yes, you've outlined it very clearly. I think that motion actually was won by three votes, but it's changed since then. The arithmetic has changed. That resignation of Dara Murphy. Thomas Pringle, who wasn't at the vote, who will come back. Noel Grealish and Independent and Galway now not indicating to his colleagues that he will be able to support the government. All those, those, those oh, there are only one or two TDs, but it makes a difference. And I suppose even if John McGuinness, the rebel Fianna Fáil TD, hadn't said he'd come out and vote against the government, effectively breaching the conference supply deal between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, it would be difficult to see the Taoiseach maybe taking that risk and going... Letting the dolls and letting the government go on as as long as the, the conference confidence motion was taken in early February, because if the government was to lose that motion, you you very much lose control of the situation. You're running into election campaign. You would probably have to go to the the Ors quite quite soon afterwards. Mm. And as the Tishik points out yesterday, and you said in your introduction, Michael, a Taoiseach who can't appoint a cabinet. Is a Tishik in you know, but
4: name? OK, and he's going to ask to be re-elected. On which date, though? That's the $64,000 question, I suppose, this morning, Juno.
1: I would rarely do this, Michael, but I would put my money on the 14th, to be honest okay. with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Thursday, I, it, according to the days that are needed to dissolve the dollar call election, he would have the, you know, uh, an enviable position of maybe going between the 7th and 14th, but um, I would say maybe the 14th. I could mm. be wrong, though.
4: All right, we'll uh, find out... Uh, quite possibly over the next couple of days. I think people would be very surprised if we don't know by Thursday, as you say, Juno, though uh, yeah. we'll leave it there for the moment. And thank you very much indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. Juno McEnroe, political correspondent for The Irish Examiner. Michael
5: Michael Reed on on LMFM.
4: Now, that vote of no confidence in Simon Harris as uh, the Minister for Health uh, that has led... It seems uh, to this decision to go to a general election rather than face uh, defeat has uh, been tabled uh, by Michael Collins and the Alliance of Rural Independent TDs. Michael Healy Ray is an independent TD for Kerry, and he's on the line with us now. And a very good morning to you, Michael Healy Ray, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the program uh, this morning. Uh, it's uh, Michael to you and you're listening. How are you? I'm very well. It's clear that you've managed to force a general election. The Taoiseach had said that he wants to go to the polls in May. It seems as though it will be on the 7th or 14th of February now.
6: Well, I think that it's inevitable that there should be an election at this time because quite simply the figures in the doll, the arithmetic, do not add up any longer because people like Mike Lowry and Noel Grealish who would have predominantly supported this government, uh, are now uh, saying that the time is right for an election. And um, I think in Noel Grealish's case, he has said that he wouldn't go far, but that he would have abstained. So I think that the, the writing is on the wall for this government. And as I've said, they've ran out of steam. And I think that now this is democracy. It's the people's choice. It's the people's chance to have their say and to, to let us see what they want and who they want to govern this country for the next four or five years.
4: And there's six TDs in your group, isn't that right? Uh, yourself and your brother, Danny, uh, Matty McGrath, Michael Collins, Haffrey, who's
6: Haffrey, Michael Collins, uh, you have Michael Lowry, uh, Noel Greeley. I think yeah. in total there's seven.
4: Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, what about uh, Michael Lowry? Did he say that he would vote for or against this motion?
6: I think Michael Lowry uh, put forward. Michael Lowry, you know, is a very experienced politician. He's been there a long time. He issued a release the other evening, which was very um, informative in what it said, because, to be honest, it put the writing on the wall to the T-shirt, because what he clearly said was that he didn't believe he was being asked what way would he vote. And the answer he gave was that there wouldn't be a vote because there'd be an election before the vote. So in other words, I think that was his way of telling the Taoiseach, the game is up, Uh, you're out of steam, Uh, this government is no longer viable, and uh, people don't have confidence in issues like the way the housing and, and health crisis are being handled, or should I say, not being handled, and there are very serious problems facing our country. What I would like to see happen is I would like to see the election to happen quickly, so that politicians could they get back to doing what they're supposed to do and that is working for the people and trying to find solutions to the problems that we have and sensible solutions and and uh, and do what we're supposed to do
4: and I suppose it could be argued that uh, the current government has had its hands tied to some extent because of how it is a, a minority uh, coalition and uh, it uh, hasn't had the numbers. Do you think that there will be a clear outcome from uh, a general election when it is held in the coming weeks?
6: Well, remember now they had a good run at it because Gina Fall backed them in the confidence and supply arrangement. So it isn't as though they were lurching from vote to vote with uncertainty, the exact opposite. In fact, Michael, they had a great uh, clear run at it, and I believe that they mismanaged uh, uh, in an awful amount of ways some of the issues that came before them. But look, that's a matter for the debate during the the election, and um, all I will be saying very clearly is people have to make up their minds now who they want, what they want, this is their say. This is your time, the electorate's time. And one thing, could I please use this opportunity to encourage young people everywhere uh, who have turned 18, who are going turning 18 in the next number of days, no matter what way you're going to vote. If you're going to vote for the big political parties, for small parties, for independents, whoever you're going to vote for. People worked very hard over many years to ensure that people have a vote in this country and others. And I would strongly urge in the nicest possible way our young people to go away, check the you on the register in whatever area, you, area you're living in, and please, please fill up the forums because it is so important mm. that everybody, young, old, and middle-aged, have their vote whatever way you're going to vote that is your business
4: Will that that not work against you because uh, John Paul Phelan might argue that young people would be inclined to vote for nutters uh, as he described some members of uh, the Green Party and not for climate change deniers such as yourself
6: Well look you can go branding me whatever you like I'm not going into big debates with you this morning about about (laughs) policy but but let me put it to you this way When I encourage people to go on the register, I genuinely Mm. mean that, because even if I thought tomorrow morning a person was not going to vote, we'll say in my own instance for myself, I would still believe if I was the parents or the friends of young people, I would still be saying, oh, look, will you go away there and will you get registered to get them into the habit of voting? And a vote is such an important thing. Your first vote is such a cherished thing, whoever you are going to give it to. And uh, I just want to have people having their say. So I really think that's a very important message to get out this
4: morning. I'm sure the Healy Rays are very, very popular in Kerry. Uh, and undoubtedly, you'll uh, return uh, two members uh, right, well, from your family I, to the next that,
6: about undoubtedly, remember, the biggest worry that I have in this election is that my political competitors will be saying, oh, Mike will be fine, don't mind about him. Mm. Many people lost their seats. Because of complacency, what I'll be saying to people is I'm staffed in this election with not one vote in a
4: basket. And, and I, I don't doubt that I for a minute, a uh, but but the uh, political background you have is, is such uh, that uh, you've uh, brought an awful lot to County Kerry. Uh, in the way, I suppose, that Michael Larry has brought a, a lot to Tipperary. Uh, the Healy Rays haven't been behind the door in doing deals uh, and uh, following in the footsteps uh, of your father, Jackie, uh, who uh, Bertie Ahern would have relied on for support in the past. Do you hope uh, that the next government will be looking to do deals with independents such as yourself?
6: The first thing I have to do for the people of Kerry is I have to ask them in a humble and, uh, and straightforward fashion, would they be kind enough to vote for me, to elect me? If I am elected, I will look at the, the political situation then if I am there and uh, i would dearly cherish and adore the opportunity to represent them again and uh, and i will always have nothing but the best interest of the electorate the the future of county kerry and our country at heart because this is a time of change there's an awful lot of serious problems before us and i really believe people have to roll up their sleeves and knuckle down to the job that they have at hand after the election so uh, that's all I will be saying to people is that I, I have no surety of being elected at all at all like I say I'm staffing with an empty basket
4: mm. But do you hope to be king maker because uh, it would seem as though the next election will be similar to the last in uh, that the outcome will be relatively tight and whoever uh, ends up being the biggest party will be looking to make deals in order to govern
6: I wouldn't be so presumptuous as to look any further than polling there, and the votes being counted, and then seeing have the people given me an opportunity or not, and uh, any politicians that would go counting their chickens before they are hatched would be a fool, and I am not in that category.
4: Okay, I, I take it you don't expect uh, that motion now to be brought to the house. So when do you expect uh, the election to be held?
6: Uh, I would imagine that the that the way this is going to work is cabinet meeting tuesday government ministers will be informed of the at intentions he'll go before the doll on wednesday he'll launch into a big attack of everybody and explaining to everybody how he believes he's brilliant and then uh off to the park on thursday morning and uh, call the election then for a date uh, in 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 early uh, february and uh I I hope that happens. I hope he goes as early as possible in February uh, to let the people have their say as early as possible.
4: Okay, and what do you believe will be the date, the 7th or the 14th?
6: I would believe the, the, the 7th would be a more sensible date, but then again, we're talking about people who don't do what is sensible at all times. I think the 7th would be a preferable date, but the 7th or the 14th, whenever it's going to be, it shouldn't be any longer than that
4: anyway. Mm, well I think there's a, a lot of reasons for Fine Gael opting for the 7th uh, they might want some more time and push it out to the 14th but if they go on the 7th uh, it'll be on foot of uh, the conclusion of the first phase of Brexit uh, which undoubtedly Fine Gael will take uh, the uh, uh, rewards for uh, and indeed will take ownership of it Well
6: the I mean, I'm not a person who is critical just for being critical's sake, if you know what I mean by that. There are people like um, the tarnished Simon Coveney, who did, in my humble opinion, put his heart and soul into the negotiations. He worked very diligently, as did the junior minister, because I am chairman, a chairman of an Iraqis committee, and I had a lot of interaction with both those two ministers on the Brexit issue. And uh, I wouldn't be being fair or honest if I was not to say that the two of them put a lot of work and effort and, uh, and energy and determination into those negotiations and on fighting on our behalf and in politics, y- you can be critical, but don't ever be critical for just the sake of it. So I would compliment those two people
4: for their work. Okay, we we'll leave it there. Thank you very much indeed for joining us here on the program this morning. That's Independent TD for Kerry Michael Haley Ray.
5: Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. on
4: LMFM. Now, we've been talking about uh, the pledge uh, to increase uh, the pension by five euro. Let's uh, continue to talk uh, about pensions and election pledges uh, for that matter. We're joined by Sinn Féin's spokesperson on social protection, John Brady, who's a a TD for Wicklow-Carlow. A a very good morning to you and thank you indeed uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning. Uh, You had hoped to bring forward a a bill to the Dáil which uh, would have sought to stop the government increasing the pension age to 67 as will be the case next year and 68 the year after, but uh, given what we've been hearing over over the last 24 hours, it seems as though we're going to have a, an election in between and that this can only be an election ple- pledge at this stage.
2: Well, it's, it's, it's looking more and more likely that we will have a, an election. And I suppose just to outline, Michael, last year, last March, I actually introduced uh, to the Dáil uh, this piece of, of legislation um, and I had hoped to move it to second stage later on in the month. Um, and I, I suppose the importance of this piece of legislation or uh, pledge um, is to halt uh, the planned increase um, of the state pension up to 67, which is due to come in on the 1st of January next. And we know the government, um, and these were signed up mm. by the Gael and Labour when they were in, uh, in power in 2014. And at that stage, we seen the and them increase the pension age from sixty five up to sixty six. So in twenty twenty eight, they want to increase it even further up to sixty eight years of age, and all of these changes were were brought about. With no consultation with any of the organisations, mm. um, with little or, or no debate and, and certainly no approval uh, from uh, the Dal at, at that stage, and we know the the impact this has had on on, on people. Many people working their entire lives, paying their contributions into uh, the social insurance fund, and only to see that the, the pension age uh, moved. And the impact this has had on 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 people. Um, some people are, are forced uh, to to retire yeah. um, due to. A, a, I suppose, uh, contractual agreements and they're forced to retire at 65. So we've had a ludicrous situation over the last number of years where people who have been forced to retire at 65 have been forced onto a job jobseeker's uh, payment And in December, just gone, there was over 5,263 65-year-olds signing on for a a job seekers payment. Mm. And we know that up to 30,000 people who are set to turn 65 over the next 12 months could be in an ideal uh, or an identical situation but not for 12 months, for 24 months, um, if the government yeah. go ahead.
4: Or nine months. Or nine
2: okay. months. Or
4: nine months and then have no income uh, for the remaining time up to 67 mm-hmm. or, or 68. Or perhaps uh, they'll work till they die, uh, as some fear. And that's, uh,
2: I and that's the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, when people are forced to retire and onto a job seeker's payment it's a considerably lesser amount it's €45 less the the state pension that they are entitled to. And the other side of it is that some people will not be able to afford uh, to retire as they had planned and will be forced to walk longer and longer. And it's interesting, over the weekend, I I don't know, some of your listeners might have been following uh, some of the uh, trouble over in France over the planned uh, pension reforms Mm -hmm. where uh, France had had planned on increasing the uh, pension age from 62 up to 64. Now, Macron has uh, backed down. He's um, ceded to, um, I, I, I suppose, the concerns and the demands of the unions who have been fighting those uh, changes. And it's it's crazy that, you know, um Ireland has and will continue to have one of the highest pension ages anywhere in in, in the EU where the average age is 64. And here we are pushing um, our pension age further and faster than any other European country. And even in in, in France, as they outlined there, Mm. um, they've backed down and and they're going to keep their their, their pension age at 62. So if you have a look at... um,
4: okay, but the intention there was to increase it to 67 by the year 2023.
2: Yeah, but they, they, they've halted that now and it's it's, it's going to be um, at, at 62. And if you have a look across the border, just, our nearest neighbour mm, in England where mm. they plan on moving their pension age up to 68, um, but not until 2046. Mm. So 18 years... After we do. But so, the time frame you know. may
4: differ, but the move is in the same direction right across Europe. Every European country, it seems, is intending to push the pension age out, the age that you qualify for the pension out, uh, because uh, people are, are living longer. Uh, the population here is set to exceed 5 million. I think a lot of us will remember when it was just 3 million. Uh, but in places like Denmark, they're talking about retiring at 72.
2: Well, look, I, I, I think people should be given the choice as to when um, they uh, re- re- retire. Um, and I've fought uh, to abolish the mandatory retirement age that forced people to retire at, at, at 65. But that's not saying there are some people, um, you know, there are some people that would like to have uh, the option to continue working. Um, but this notion of forcing uh, people to continue to work and we know many workers um, out there work in uh, difficult, hard, labour intensive employment and it just isn't right, it isn't fair um, that people are, are forced uh, mm. to work in, in construction on building sites up until uh, 68 years of age and all of this has come about without any consultation or approval uh, by the the. the
5: okay,
4: um, but what, what are the crazy. options here? Uh, because uh, undoubtedly uh, the pop- is limited and if funding is not unlimited uh, well then you have to pay people somehow and you have to find the money somewhere so if you don't push the pension age out do you reduce what's paid to pensioners?
2: No, I, I, absolutely not and I, I suppose you outlined the situation with um, ageing populations across Europe but if you have a look at that and um, Ireland we have 30% less older people in Ireland than any other EU country and in fact in 50 years time Ireland will still have the lowest number of older people nearly 20% less than other EU countries Mm. so you know if we have a look at the social insurance fund and and this is the fund that people when they pay their weekly contributions or monthly contributions uh, from work it goes into the social insurance fund that is in surplus and has been in surplus over the last number of years so the bottom line here is we have have more people in work than you know, people who are, are, are reliant on the, the, the social and insurance funds. So mm-hmm. there's no reason no logical reason why we should be moving faster and further than any of our European uh, counterparts and in fact we'll have the highest pension age of any of the OECD countries. What we are saying here is this needs to be stopped It needs to be halted and we need to have a look at this and have a serious debate about our our, our pension age and that needs to be done in consultation with all of the organisations out there that work extensively with our older citizens but more importantly, or as mm. importantly, um, having a, a serious debate within the House, within the DOD, something that didn't take place, hasn't taken place. And in 2017, the Joint Oireachtas Committee, which I'm a member of, um, after extensive scrutiny of this entire, uh, I suppose, mm. issue, um, there was a, a recommendation from that Joint Oireachtas Committee, and that's made up of all political parties and none. There was a recommendation to suspend the increases and examine uh, the pension age. So that is what needs to happen. Um, it was, it is a piece of legislation I had hoped to move forward. Um, Unfortunately, well, fortunately, because I, I think we we need an election. Um, I think this now needs to become one of the. Uh, major issues of discussion of of debate within the election campaign and it's something that Sinn Féin have uh, pledged to do if we find ourselves in a a position to do so. Okay
4: but because there are more of us and because we are living longer it is becoming harder to fund pensions Uh, and whilst uh, we may be in surplus uh, at the moment uh, we do hear talk of uh, a a pension uh, time bomb Uh, and if You don't think that we would need to reduce what's being paid to people uh, and not increase uh, the pension age. Uh, What about the idea of increasing the pension? Because, as I mentioned earlier on, Regina Doherty has promised to increase the pension by €25 over the next five years.
2: Yeah, well this is um actually another piece of legislation that I, I, I brought forward because I, I think this political football that we see um every election that, you know, every political party is trying to outdid and outdo other political parties with these um, I, I, I suppose promises uh, to increase the pension uh, the, the, the state pension and other payments and that. I think that is unfair um, and what we need is a, a serious discussion and a serious debate around that and I brought forward a piece of legislation that would see um, the political football being removed from the setting of, of uh, the amount that our pensions are, are, are paid and a, a body set up um, a commission set up that would look at it based on on fact and evidence um, that, you know, um, would be be linked uh, to our indexation that, you know, for many years we've seen no increase to our our, our state pension, even though inflation has continued to rise and rise um, year on, year on. Um, So we want to remove from um, I I, I suppose politics and that an expert group would make recommendations as to what increases should be made uh, to the the, the state pension on an annual basis. So, you I I think that is something that needs to happen. Otherwise, we're going to have a continuation of this, um, you know, a fiver for all, Mm. when, you know, it may not necessarily meet um, what is actually required for um, our citizens who, you know, deserve um, a fair uh, pension at a fair age.
4: So you can't match that pledge of a fiver?
2: Well, look, I mean, in in, in our. pre budget submission we, we we said absolutely yes um but we want to see the setting of the state pension um removed from politics. That you know there there there's mm. some years where it should be a lot more um than a fiver. So what we are saying is um, yes, we want to see increases to not just our, our, our pension, but other payments where we have, you know, I, I suppose our young job seekers, for example, where mm. we still have discrimination for our young job seekers, anyone under 26, uh, based on age, um, are on a greatly reduced um, uh, job seekers payment. So we want mm. to see all of that removed from politics. Yeah, but if you
4: are follow, follow that line of logic, uh, that would mean that uh, there may be years that pensioners would face a, a decrease.
2: No. Look, we have, if you have a look across the water mm. um, in, in, in the UK, for example, I mean, they have what's called a, a triple lock mechanism where mm. um, it's it's linked to a number of different fields. So there's a minimum increase that should happen. Um, but then it's it's based, um, it's benchmarked against uh, indexation. It's against uh, a number of different areas.
4: Sure. But I That's mean, if seeing. you benchmark it against in the indexation, if you look at, let's say, 2009, when income levels levels in this country plummeted. uh, You could be looking at the prospect of decreasing pensions.
2: No, certainly that's not something that would ever happen under a a Sinn Féin uh, government or a government that had Sinn Féin involvement. We want to see the Mm. politics removed uh, from uh, the session um, of our, our pension and all social welfare payments, um, and for it to be based on evidence. Um, something that, you know, when we have a look mm-hmm. at these increases, you know, <laughs> these figures are, are, are pulled from the air. Um, you know, it's not based on, on need um, and it's not based on adequacy. Um, and that's something that we want to see happen. And certainly okay. it, it will never be a case um, under Sinn Féin that there would be uh, decreases.
4: All right. We'll leave it there. Thank you indeed. Uh, for joining us uh, this morning Sinn Féin's spokesperson on social protection John Brady is a TD for Wicklow Carlo Michael
5: Michael Reed
0: on on LMFM
4: Now let's find out what you've been saying to us Marie Kearns joins us with some of the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning Good morning to you Marie
0: Good morning Michael and to all our listeners before I get to those text messages and comments can I just say that Loud County Council has contacted us, Michael, to let listeners know that due to Storm Brendan, all public parks in Loud are now closed with immediate effect and they're asking members of the public to stay away from them. Meads County Council also in touch with us, saying uh, as well as advising people to take care on the roads that there may be fallen trees or debris. They're saying to please avoid coastal areas today it will be especially dangerous between eleven thirty and two thirty PM due to high tides. Localised flooding is anticipated on the R one hundred fifty Marsh Road at Stagrennan and the R one hundred fifty Road fifty one Coast Road at Mornington between twelve and two o'clock and warning okay, signs man. are in place. So okay. just asking people to take care.
4: And you have been warned.
0: You sure do. Getting back to those comments and the general election. It is going to happen, Michael, and people have been in touch. All he says, it's not going to make any difference. Fianna Fáil will probably get in again after bringing the country to its knees. Then again, the blue shirts may be back laughing and smirking at us again. Sinn Féin just love being in opposition, so everybody loves them. Best we can hope for is a lot more independence to be voted in. Uh, to support and keep the parties that are in in check okay Ollie's sick of them all (laughs) very good (laughs) Uh, Patricia says that uh, that that are all the same but she feels it's important to vote for your local one the representative that's going to represent best the particular area that you are in no matter what the party
4: okay (laughs) well you uh, we'll have a selection of local right. candidates yes. uh, to choose from. So I'm not sure that there's much uh, option in, in that sense.
0: Paul says, Why have an election? We just put in the same people and then we cry about it for the next four years. That's what we Irish do, Michael.
4: Mm, well, simple. I suppose uh, maybe that is uh, true in a, a collective sense, uh, and you get who you vote for, and it's up to you to decide who you are going to vote for and why you're going to vote for them.
0: That's it. Anthony from RD says, Surely it's not within the law to begin postering before. An election has been called one party is already doing that in Dublin says Anthony
4: really yes
0: Mm, Richie (laughs) and I'm not going to say which one because I haven't Mm. seen them myself so I don't know but Richie from Tallis says um, that uh, he's a member of uh, an active age group uh, a lot of members in it and that uh, the people are not impressed with the fact that Finnegale didn't give an increase to pensioners in the budget and thinks that they will regret it now. And it's too late now. Promises, 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 hmm. promises says Richie.
4: Okay, well, as we've heard, the latest promise is uh, that pensions will increase by five euro a week each year for the next five years. Let's talk about the weather some more. We're joined now by Matthew Martin, who's a meteorologist with MetHeron. A very good morning. To you matthew and thanks uh, for joining us here this morning we've just heard a warning from Meath county council to avoid coastal areas indeed you've a red warning for uh, marine areas uh, this morning so i'm sure that's prudent advice
7: good morning michael yes so at sea there is a red marine warning and that's an operation uh, through today um, and on land uh, status orange warning is an operation and that's for infrequent and quite dangerous weather so it is a severe weather event today um, it looks like the peak of the weather is going to move through your area early this afternoon. So the rain is going to move in within the next hour or two and we'll see a notable increase in wind speeds uh, in the next few hours.
4: OK, they've been hammered, uh, I think, in uh, the west of uh, the country from early morning this morning. Uh, and we're about uh, to experience uh, similar type of weather now. Uh, what kind of thing should people watch out for? Is it it's safe to travel and that type of thing?
7: Yeah, so already in the in the south and west, uh, the highest gust so far is 118 uh, kilometres an hour, and that was recorded in Shurkin, uh just within the last hour. So the strongest of the winds are now uh, moving eastwards uh, across the country. So obviously, it's just to um, uh, you know make appropriate uh, decisions today, uh, check your activity and event, and delay or cancel as appropriate. Mm. Uh, those decisions are made uh, by by the council and local authorities. Um, but obviously, uh urge a- extra caution today,
4: especially on coastal areas, okay well, high winds like this obviously can bring down trees uh, I think there's probably less chance of that because of the time of the year uh, and fewer leaves on the trees
7: yeah, so but uh, regardless of the, of the time of the year, of course, weakened trees uh, can fall can come down in it, which with wind speeds uh, we're expecting today we're expecting wind wind gusts. In your area to reach around 100 kilometers an hour or more so certainly very strong and there will be some branches and weakened trees falling down
4: okay and if you couple that with spring tides uh, and indeed uh, the surge uh, as a result of uh, this weather uh, would you expect some flooding
7: yeah we have um along the west coast there's more of a, of a risk of flooding but certainly along uh, the east coast uh, there is an elevated risk of coastal flooding but that will really occur around high ties uh, today. Um, so obviously um, the best advice is to stay clear of the coasts uh, this afternoon.
4: Plenty of, of rain uh, and uh, then it'll ease a bit as we go into later afternoon. What about the coming days? Uh, will this blow away?
7: Yeah so we're going to have a sharp front uh, move through the area within the next uh Probably moving through around 2 p.m. and that will be very heavy, but that will clear through. And then it's uh, it's quite changeable and unsettled for the for the remainder of the week. Quite a cold day tomorrow with some rain for a time during the afternoon, and then it will, more wet and windy weather is expected at a the time. Then through the through the rest of the week. So certainly staying unsettled after Storm Brendan moves through.
4: Okay, Matthew, thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. Matthew Martin, meteorologist with MetAaron. Let's go back uh, to the phones and some of the comments that you have there, Marie.
0: Yes, Michael, a text message from a listener who was uh, listening into your interview with Deputy Michael Healy Ray. And says he just wants another election, Michael, to maybe bring another family member into the family firm, i.e. Daily Erin says this listener. Okay. John and Navin says, I'm absolutely phoned in, I'm absolutely flabbergasted that Finnegale is promising five euro a week in pensions when a couple of weeks ago they refused to give anything in the budget. I'm a political neutral, Michael. It may not come across as that, but I am. And then for Fine Gael to suggest that they weren't aware Dara Murphy was working in Europe for the past two years is making a fool of the Irish people.
4: Fair enough. OK.
0: Fair play to the rural independent TDs, says Sean from Drahad Did they force the Taoiseach's hand? You'd be waiting a long time for Fianna Fáil to do it. <laughs> uh.
4: Yeah, well, somebody broke ranks, uh, which... Uh, Thomas Byrne wasn't too keen to talk about on the programme last oh, week. Yes. Uh, and John McGuinness, yeah, yes. And I yes. think uh, the uh, idea that uh, the Taoiseach has lost control of the doll is in part due to how Michael Martin has lost control of his party.
0: Mairead from Drada is just touching on uh, that. Well, in the sense she says that there'd be mayhem in the doll if. He hadn't called an election, mm. that he'd no choice at this stage because it would have turned into a farce with no confidence motions and not sure who was supporting who. And there wouldn't really have been any business done. So it would have been mm. a waste of time. Better to call it now rather than later. Say some yeah, well, I mean, they again. may
4: as well get it over with before uh, the St. Patrick's uh, Day break uh, because, uh, I mean, there's a lot to be done now that they're coming back from the Christmas holidays.
0: Yes, a lot to be done, Michael, a lot. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Very little, I think, will be done <laughs> uh, before the election anyway. And then well, maybe a suppo- little bit I done before the have they, all Day been celebrations. Canvassing.
0: I suppose they would, they'd say they haven't had too much holidays oh, yeah. because they've been mm-hmm. out knocking doors. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. But, uh, they're already on election footing. Gráinne says, how is it fair that Leo, Fradker, uh, Michael and Finnegale know now when the election is going to be, but they won't tell anybody else? Well, they will. They should by the end of this week, mm-hmm. shouldn't they? Yeah,
4: they will in the next couple of days. Yeah. And the Taoiseach says, uh, as a courtesy, uh, he wants to... Meet with opposition leaders, perhaps, uh, but uh, he would feel uh, that it is only appropriate uh, to discuss his intentions with members of the Cabinet, the senior government ministers.
0: Finally, uh, Sean was listening into your interview with Deputy John Brady, the Sinn Féin spokesperson on social protection, and he says about time someone spoke out about the pension age increase currently in place by government. It seems politicians can avail of a pension after serving a short term in government. Shame on them. The argument that we are living longer applies to politicians too. Sixty-five is a suitable time, but should a person wish to continue working, they should be facilitated, but no compulsion on those who wish to retire, so Sean.
4: All right, thanks very much for that and uh, thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us. If you'd like to add to what's been said, as always, our telephone number is 1850 715 958.
5: Michael Michael Reed on
8: LMFM. LMFM.
4: Now let's have a a pre-election announcement uh, chat with uh, the Minister for European Affairs, Helen McEntee, who's in uh, the studio with us. Do you like elections?
8: I don't mind elections, to be honest.
4: Um, Do you relish the idea? I mean, a lot of politicians get very excited at the idea of uh, the competition, if you like.
8: Well, I think you wouldn't be in politics if you didn't actually enjoy Mm. elections and you didn't enjoy knocking on doors and talking to people. Mm. And and I think that's something that I do throughout the year, all year and have done Mm. since I was elected almost seven years ago now. Um, So it's probably the same thing, Mm. only in a much more condensed time frame Mm. and probably under a much more pressure than uh, you normally would if you're just out on a Friday calling Mm. to people and saying hello. Some
4: people get a bit nervous, though, and they get a bit narky.
8: I think anybody would get nervous mm. but uh, I think you need to get yeah. nervous for something like this it's yeah. No uh, need to get narky though. No, absolutely no, no, not no, no, no. and absolutely I won't not. be getting <laughs> narky definitely not. <laughs> okay. Um mm. but I think mm. um I think it's important mm. I think it's important to to want to win an election, mm. to want to represent the people that you're out knocking on doors, talking to, mm. to want to be in government, to want to either uh, support them at a national level, at a local level. Mm. Um, and so you need to have that bit of energy. You need to have that bit of nervousness. And and certainly mm. whenever it happens, I'm, I'm sure I will be nervous. Yeah. I'm sure oh, I will be excited on all of those it's things. It's going to happen
4: very soon uh, uh, and not unlike some other elections. It, it comes uh, as uh, an administration gets stale and grows tired and gets a bit cranky. Charlie Flanagan was very cranky, wasn't he, when he was forced uh, to climb down over that madness about the RIC?
8: Well, I don't think we're cranky and, and I certainly don't think we're stale. I think, if anything, we're only getting going. Mm. Uh, and I say that because probably for the first five years of Fine Gael in government, firstly with Labour and now obviously with our independence, the whole focus was, unfortunately, not on how we're going to invest mm. and how we're going to spend all this money that we don't have. It was how do we actually get the economy back on track? It's no fun talking about the economy. It's no, uh, you know, it, it's not uh, nice to hear that we don't actually have the money to do mm. things, that we have to put plans in place that are going to be difficult. But what we now have and what we've seen in the past two and a half years is a, an ability to actually mm. spend money because we've made those decisions, because while we focused on the economy, things are now moving in the direction that we have a surplus, that we have additional money in our budget that we're going to be able to spend Mm us. I mean, I I think Charlie Flanagan last week, in particular around that event, I think he was disappointed Mm. that it didn't go ahead. And I think that's what he expressed. But Mm. I think there was a lot of people disappointed. Mm. I do think he was right to call it off. And I think when you have such a Mm. sensitive... Mm issue when there are so many people unhappy mm. the only thing to do is to call it off yeah. but what I would genuinely say is Well the DUP
4: is, were disappointed uh, as well and it seems as though the only people who wanted to celebrate the black and tans were Fine Gael and the DUP uh, but maybe we'll talk a, a little bit more about no, the DUP No I'm going <laughs> to say,
8: say, say that because absolutely yep. not mm. this was not a celebration of the black and tans yeah. Well and others would I, argue otherwise They, they would mm. but what I would mm. say is I've had as many people on mm. to me who obviously opposed the event but who said my grandfather was in the RIC mm. my grandfather, my wife's grandparents, they were Irish people, they were uh, men who served with the distinction and they were not black and tan. So I think I think he was right to not have the event, I think, when it caused such as, such mm-hmm. division. But we have a centenary oh, Well, he didn't it. have any choice.
4: It's Whether he was right or not, he didn't have any choice. But let's talk about uh, your good friends in uh, the DUP uh, and indeed in Sinn Féin, the SDLP, uh, the Alliance and the UUP uh, and the Independents in, in Northern Ireland. Ireland. Uh, because it, it's uh, an historic uh, uh, time uh, that... Uh, we're just very very close to three years since uh, Stormont uh, was dissolved and the institutions collapsed and here we are now looking at the prospect of uh, a new government, a new administration in Northern Ireland Uh, the Taoiseach to meet with uh, the British Prime Minister today in Belfast significant in itself it uh, it is in fairness an historic occasion I
8: I think so and and I have to pay tribute to my colleague Donish de Simon Coveney, to his counterpart Julian Smith but to all the political parties and I think what was very important particularly in the last year I think is that the focus on all five political parties because yes you need Sinn Féin and the DUP to agree to this new deal but I think this is about bringing all the communities because we saw even in the most recent election that there has been a slight move towards the middle ground and and a slight shift so the fact that as you say we have three years uh, gone by but now a, a deal in place and I think what's significant about this deal because a lot of people probably forget why it even fell in the first place what happened and and how do we make sure that it doesn't happen again there are now new measures in this deal that mean if a first minister has to resign Mm. or a deputy first minister that there's a longer time put in place before they can be replaced and an election needs to be called because obviously that's what happened before we have new measures in place now that means uh, the executive can be given a longer length of time to, Mm. to be formed again meaning at that same time ministers can still hold their jobs because what we've seen in the past three years is that civil servants have been trying to essentially run the country but I think most importantly with this deal is that it focuses on Northern Ireland and the people. It's investment in the economy, it's restructuring and transforming the public services mm. but also making sure that the, the structures that were put in place through the Good Friday Agreement and, and uh, since then that they were upgraded and, and that they are fit for purpose and they work that no party How has a How stable so is
4: it ones. do you think Minister because uh, I mean I'm not sure if Sinn Féin forgot why Stormont was collapsed by Martin McGuinness uh, and the cash for ash scandal, and uh, the concerns he had about Arlene Foster's role in uh, the renewable heating scheme. Uh, But there's to to be a report published on that in the coming weeks.
8: Absolutely, and and this is something that will have to be addressed. But I think that's why uh, measures have been put in place to make sure that if there are any bumps in the road again or any major bumps in the road, that the Assembly isn't just going to fall at the drop of a hat and I think that was the biggest fear, that mm. it could be reconvened and straight away something would happen for it to collapse. So these measures are put in place to make sure that even if something happens, as I've said First Minister, Deputy First Minister resigns, is forced to resign, mm. that there are mechanisms through which the Assembly can stay in place, can function, but most importantly that even if there is an election, mm. which we obviously hope it won't get to that point anytime soon, that Ministers can still continue to do their job and can still continue to, to function in the North. Okay. So it's, it's mm. An extremely important point, and particularly given where we are now, obviously, we've mm-hmm. saw, uh, seen in the last week uh, the House of Commons have fully mm-hmm. passed through the whole of the, yes. le- the piece of legislation uh, of the withdrawal agreement, which means now it mm-hmm. goes to the European Parliament. This is the Brexit mm-hmm. legislation, it goes to the European Parliament, it will be passed. I know they're mm-hmm. not probably finishing it till the last week mm-hmm. um, of this month, but on the 1st of February, we move into the next phase. and To not have an issue in the of North will obviously the European be affairs that dramatic.
4: the Taoiseach was talking about yesterday, no doubt. Uh, he'll speak to Mr Johnson today uh, about how the UK hopes to finalise its withdrawal deal agreement with Europe uh, the new Commission uh, President Ursula von der Leyen will be here on Boy, Wednesday it. isn't it yes. uh, and uh, undoubtedly yourself and uh, the Taoiseach uh, will meet uh, with uh, the European Commission President uh, and uh, at that stage then that clears the path uh, and uh, makes it possible to go back into the doll on Thursday. Is that what you're expecting that the Taoiseach will uh, announce the date for the election on Thursday?
8: So that I don't know um, and I suppose I think many people were listening to him yesterday mm-hmm. and, and he has said yes I have a date and, and I have decided um, I suppose what he has been very clear is that he needs to uh, ensure that uh, I suppose our own party but importantly as well independents who are in government with us but also Micheál Martin, Fianna Fáil, um that there is a courtesy of discussing with them when and, and how this will happen so uh, I'm not privy to nor is anybody else privy to when mm. he might do that, uh, but I do think it will probably be sooner rather than later. I think the idea uh, of a May election now, you know, this is mm. something that Taoiseach has always said he would prefer, and I think a lot of people would, given the, the weather that we're looking at outside. Um, but also, I suppose, the fact that we'd like longer to maybe uh, implement more plans that we have. But we obviously know that the numbers are are, are just it looks as though they're not there. And obviously mm. the independent uh, group in opposition have now talked about putting down a motion of no confidence. So what we need is a doll that can function and there's no point in having a doll where we don't have the numbers, where we can't if get If people don't want
4: a general election, who should they blame? Should they blame the independent TDs? Uh, should they blame uh, the Taoiseach Fine Gael for losing control? Or should they blame Micheál Martin for losing control of his party or losing control of John McGuinness, it seems?
8: Well, the Taoiseach has always said that he wanted an election in May. Uh, he's made that mm. very clear, not just in the last year, but it's it's almost two years now he has been saying May 2020. Uh, Micheál Martin has, uh, I think even going into the meeting last week, said that they will support and, and have continued to support. And, and obviously reports from the meeting last week was that they will meet again tomorrow mm. to discuss what a schedule might look like and, and how uh, that would be developed. But when Micheál Martin says place, he'll
4: support or... or Continue to abstain. Uh, that would have meant Fianna Fáil and all of the TDs. But John McGuinness has said that he'll break ranks.
8: Absolutely. And, and we can't, I suppose, uh, do anything about that. That's obviously uh, so a matter mm. for Michael Martin and the Fianna Fáil party. But, you know, I, I do think the proposal of a motion of no confidence in in Simon Harris. This is obviously forcing the hand and Mm. and this is very clearly not going to change anything in our health system. It's not Mm. going to improve uh, or or add uh, any more hospital beds or or Mm. any more money uh, in that area allowing the Minister to continue to do his job will, will do that but uh, again I think at this stage it's not about blame it's when is the right time for the country and if we mm. don't have the numbers, if we don't have it all that can function okay. in the way that it needs mm. to then obviously the Taoiseach is taking that into account. As I said I, I think at this stage and I think most people mm. uh, feel that it will probably be sooner rather than later. Well you
4: have to give consideration to the politics of it all and uh, politically it would be better for Fine Gael to go to the country earlier rather than later I think uh, because I think you can criticise any government or every government about housing or health or whatever the other issues are. No doubt your government will be criticised in the general election campaign. Uh, But it would be far better for you, would it not, to be able to say, well, we've just completed Brexit and we've just completed the deal in Northern Ireland and to go on the 7th rather than the 14th.
8: Well I, I think the 14th is uh, something that uh, a lot of people have said please don't go on Valentine's Day no, I don't think that really makes a, a difference but at the same time um, you know people know what we've done on Brexit and and we've been three years working on Brexit. So whether it's in the next few weeks or whether it's in six months' time, we'll still have uh, done a huge amount of work, uh, be it, I suppose, our core team or the the government as a whole, uh, getting through the various different stages. So, you know, I I think people have seen throughout this entire process the work that we've done on Brexit. But I think for me, most importantly, uh, and even if it was now or in May, we would be saying, because obviously a lot of uh, the discussion is only starting now, that we need to make sure that our team is in place for the next stage of Brexit, that it's going to be even more complex, that yes, while we have the Irish Commissioner in a position Mm. uh, as Commissioner of Trade, which I think will be extremely important uh, and and helpful at the same time from the 1st of February, we need uh, to know that our teams are in place and and that we can still uh, represent our country in the way that we have in the last number of of years. Um, But, you know, whether it's now or in the next few months, we're saying that I, I hope that people will see the huge amount of effort and work that we have put into making sure that A, we get a deal mm. and B, it's, it's a right deal. Uh, and obviously, whether the elections now are in, in May, as I said, I, I have a feeling it'll probably be sooner.
4: Can you picture yourself in opposition?
8: Um, I, I think my focus is to get elected and, and to represent people in Meath East, whether that's in, in opposition or in government. Uh, I suppose they will only decide that. Obviously, I'd like to, to uh, return as a government minister mm. or a government TD, um, but again, that's up to, to people in Meath East.
4: Okay. Helen McEntee, thank you indeed Thanks, for Michael. coming in to us uh, this morning. Helen McEntee is uh, Fine Gael TD in Meath East and Minister for European Affairs.
5: Michael,
8: Michael Reid, Reid on,
4: on LMFM Well as we've uh, been discussing Taoiseach Leo Vratker will meet with uh, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson in Belfast and uh, the meeting of uh, the two leaders will, uh, apart from other issues such as Brexit, mark the restoration of Northern Ireland's political institutions. Ulita Clancy spokesperson for the Meath Peace Group joins us now and a very good morning to you Ulita, and thank you for joining us. Uh, almost 3 years since uh, Stormont collapsed uh, it is a significant and historical occasion to see politicians getting back to work.
5: Yes, and good morning. Good morning Mike and happy new year to you and your listeners. Uh, yes, it is great news now at the start of the year. Um, obviously after 3 years and hopefully we can now see you know that they will get knuckled down to work and get on with the job because there's so much that needs to be done just on the practical sphere alone in government. Mm. And uh, let's hope that nothing is going to rock that now and that they will all go in there. And, 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 and obviously we must all pay the proper tributes to the hard work that brought this about, and particularly the Secretary of State and, and our and then the, the political parties and the compromises they have come to.
4: Mm. And uh, no doubt uh, it was uh, difficult to come to those compromises, as is always uh, the case in northern politics, Uh, but perhaps a a little bit easier than would have been the case because of how the DUP lost its clout in Westminster. And uh, the elections uh, which uh, saw the Tories take its big majority was one where voters in Northern Ireland very clearly said to the MLAs, get back to stormont
5: yeah i mean that that was a, that was a very heartening message actually that came from the all of the elections in the last while and um i think that determination of the people who have been saying that for many years now to get back in and get the work done and you know the combination of the nurses strike up there as well i think brought it to a, a, a close and uh, I just hope and i 'm i 'm just we can all you know give thanks that this has arrived now obviously there 's going to be a, already today there 's been a few um little little wobbles on it, and I would hope that those ministers who have now been appointed and elected would kind of keep off the airwaves in terms of anything that's that's kind of divisive like there were a few instances this morning and i would hope that that would you know they would put that away for the moment and try and work together in government and try and build up that trust because the trust was very badly damaged i mean it was it was damaged before the assembly and the executive fell we know there were a lot of problems there and so there's a lot of, uh, of work to be done in repairing and um building rebuilding any form of trust there but also in learning from the mistakes and from what went wrong in the last number of years before it collapsed also the mistakes in terms of transparency and accountability and all of those things that probably shocked a lot of us if we had read that book about the cash for ash scandal and um, you know how little accountability and oversight and transparency there was so let's hope there seems to be quite a number of reforms I I haven't been able to get much of the detail. I don't think many people have, but they're wide-ranging. And let us hope that a lot of those will be addressed steadily now over like I don't know I think there might be two years in this term let's hope it will last to that and that a lot of positive work for the people of Northern Ireland because they badly need it Um, you know quite apart from all of the work that we would be interested in in terms Mm -hmm. of building understanding and reconciliation the work of the building government together is so essential and it's such a it has to come you know as as a huge priority always did but unfortunately over the years since the agreement there's been a lot of, of kind of collapsing of institutions and uh, that type of thing. And while that is probably to be expected, given the history of Northern Ireland and the Troubles, um, let's hope that, uh, you know, people will work in a very practical and political way now to just get the work done, the much-needed reforms that are needed there in the health service, the education, yeah. uh, security, all of those other areas that are calling out for it. And, and let's hope, now, I didn't see anything... In the, de- the details that were published about how, you know, they're going to build better understanding of each other's identities. I know there is an office now going to be set up on cultural identity and that type of thing, and maybe within that office they will start to discuss and address those issues, because they badly, I mean, a lot of the misunderstandings and fears about the Irish language, for mm-hmm. instance, uh, and on the other side as well. So it's, it's, those are areas that, perhaps within schools, better work could be now done in building that understanding and respect for each other's traditions.
4: All right. Uh, It's all sweetness and light, it seems, uh, this morning uh, when you see photographs of Arlene Foster and Michelle O'Neill together. Uh, But there's been a lot of animosity over the course of uh, the last three years. Uh, How do you believe uh, the two sides look on each other?
5: Well, I mean, there is, and, and I mean, we've seen it, I mean, in, in another group that I've chaired for many years in Laud, the Guild of Oriel, um, we had a meeting there before Christmas, and it was quite alarming to find, you know, some of the our unionist friends, uh, and the expressions they were expressing at a meeting, um, you know, which were quite, shall we say, you know, it had kind of gone downhill. While it wasn't towards us our our people that have worked with them. There were more greater fears of, you know, this the increased demands for border polls and they were very yeah. fearful of this. They felt this is all so premature and that so much needed to be addressed first and I mean there was one guy he had gone to a Loyalist meeting And there had been talk about repartition at it, and we were just absolutely aghast that this sort of thing should be coming up again. Now, obviously, those are minorities, uh, but these guys were just expressing uh, what they had heard at meetings. And let's hope now that the politicians who were elected, after Mm. all, I mean, why would you go up for election unless you're going to do positive work in politics, that that's what you're dedicated to, and get in there and try and put aside... Uh, all of sort of the narrow concerns and things like that and look towards a broader vision of working together. But we'd also have to hope that the two governments would not lose sight of this now and would keep their eye on things because one of the things that happened over several years now, even leading up to the collapse and in the last couple of years, is that we didn't have we didn't seem to have, shall I say, that real kind of involvement of the governments as we had in the past, and um, particularly with the Secretaries of State. And I think the, mm. the present Secretary of State has thrown himself into the job and has got on with great commitment with our Tánishtá. And that is very much to be welcomed. And I would hope that they aren't going to go away mm. now because I know there are budgetary oversights and every three months now there's going to be reviews there's a whole lot of things like that. But I would hope that within, um, you know, uh, uh, in that structure that our two governments and the North-South Council and all of those things will Mm -hmm. get on now with the work and just say, look, we're not going back to that. We're going to try and deliver, even if it's just a two-year thing for the moment, and then let's see where we are and get on with it. And Mm -hmm. let's see. Power sharing was never going to be easy. And I note that the parties who had gone into opposition, uh, albeit for only nine months the last time before it collapsed, They've gone back into the executive to try and make it work. And I think, um, you know, that is to be seen as a compromise on their part, too. What
4: prospect do you think there is, Yulita, of uh, a border poll? Because one of uh, the issues or concerns that the DUP had uh, about uh, restoring Stormont uh, was that uh, the... Uh, next government uh, would try or or members of it, uh, Sinn Féin specifically, would try to uh, introduce a border poll and uh, it was concerned that if uh, the petition of concern was abolished it wouldn't be able to veto that. Now the petition of concern hasn't been abolished uh, and still uh, can be used uh, if uh, 30 MLAs object, Mm -hmm. let's say to a border poll, but there would have to be one non-DUP MLA uh, and I I take it that they'd be able to get that support would they?
5: Yeah, but I mean, I think we're kind of rushing the the, 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 the horses here because, first of all, a border poll has to be called for by the Secretary of State when he or she feels that there will be a majority for mm. it. Uh, but secondly, on a practical basis, like if you want to unite, like, well, there's a perfect right to go for a border poll. If you really want to united Ireland, you're not going to try and rush this on a demographic basis. You're going to try and set up something you're going to work towards it. You're going to try and show that you can work together. And you're going to try and, and you know, do a lot of preparation. Certainly mm. do all the talking in the world, do all the debating, academic conferences, everything. Try and be inclusive if you can be. But, the, the you know, to try and win it on a demographic basis is not going to bode well for the future um, unless unless
4: you're a politician. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I mean, you see I mean, you're not speaking to us as a politician, you and that that is a refreshing change, uh, but politicians play politics.
5: Yes, of course they do. And and but but we We are, this is is something that will affect us in the South as well. So we all have to be extremely careful. I gather there would have to be a vote in the South as well. I'm not entirely sure on that constitutional issue, but I think there has to be. But I think I would welcome all the conferences in the world coming up, you know, all the discussions. First of all, we have to get Stormont back. First of all, we have to see whether that can that trust can be built up there. That that these politicians, particularly those who want a United Ireland, can actually work with the other tradition, and that the other tradition, who want to stay united with Britain can actually show that that works too and and that Northern Ireland can work and I think that's what we in the South want. We want to see Northern Ireland working and while there will be a lot of support for a United Ireland, people want a United Ireland that would work mm. and at the moment, it's that would not work at the moment and it would be a recipe for disaster, just like with Brexit. We still haven't got over the Brexit thing. Obviously there's going to be huge problems coming down the road for us all on this island and that might change attitudes that might make a huge difference in terms of 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 people there might be more people on the unionist side who might eventually come around to the idea of a united ireland mm. properly prepared and properly inclusive of their traditions but let's not yeah. rush things now when we're trying to deal with this that's all i'd ask for i mean i know yeah. political parties will still say all this and will still push for it but they need to be careful now because i know from these border unionists that we spoke to before christmas they A lot of this has engendered huge fear in them, a lot of alarm and fear, and they feel sort of very threatened by it. So let's walk carefully there and um, let's get this government going I think a huge amount of great progress I mean there's going to be a lot of money put in from what I can see and I think a huge amount of progress will be made and I think the very fact that even there is going to be an Irish Language Act mm-hmm. now it may not be stand alone I don't yeah. know what that exactly yeah. means but there will be and um, there will be a sort of a fostering of the Irish language and I hope it won't be a weaponising of it. But that's is it, there, a, anyway, chance? Respect, is, is there be... a
4: chance you that this is all a bit premature uh, mm-hmm. as we say it's three years since mm. uh, the institutions collapsed uh, and I was talking to Helen McIntyre about the reason for that uh, mm. three years ago and uh, the straw that broke the camel's back if you like uh, was the cash for ash scandal as you said uh, mm. you were reading a book about the cash yeah. for ash scandal we're about to read another book the official report into the yeah. renewable heating incentive mm. uh, and uh, that may find adversely against Arlene Foster
5: yeah it may and and that will have to be dealt with won't it i mean it's it's this is where the accountability has to come in and responsibility and um i don't know why that report wasn't published before now but obviously it will make it will need to be very 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 uh you know perused very very strongly and discussed and looked at and lessons will have to be learned from it and what will happen obviously if there are people responsible then the actions will have to be taken and people will have to recognize that but i i would hope that the executive and that the parties who have been taught a lesson by the election results and by the nurses strikes up there which have been pretty you know the health service there has we talk about our own but they are going through enormous problems there and i think those practical problems on the streets are affecting ordinary people and those politicians are elected to address that and they need to get in there and watched by the governments, they need to get in there and do that work and show mm-hmm. us they can do that work. And yes, the Cash for Ash inquiry will be, it will be interesting, and we will see a lot of things that are deplorable in it. If if we can go by that book about, you know, the the the, the lack of oversight there, the lack of minutes at ministerial meetings, for instance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was astounded right. to hear that. I mean, it's it's this is what needs to be out in the open and discussed. But what I would ask and urge now is that those members of that executive would not start going on the airwaves contradicting each other, as I heard this morning on Radio Ulster. So I think we we need to kind of let let them have time to get down there and work. And I would ask for them... To have the dedication and the vision to just focus on that now, and not be focusing on other things, but to focus on delivering for the people of Northern Ireland and showing that those politicians can do that okay. hard and really challenging work. And it, it, we can't minimise the difficulty mm-hmm. of working in that atmosphere well, that's of true. people.
4: Yeah. Okay, Ulita. Particularly
5: after the three years, Michael.
4: Okay, thank you indeed. Thank you very much. Mike. As always, thank Ulita you. Clancy, spokesperson for the Mead Peace Group.
5: Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. On
4: LMFM. You don't have to look very far to find somebody who's overweight. Apparently, 25% of us are obese and another 25% of us are at risk of becoming obese. That's an incredible 50% of the population who have weight problems. But would you have any sympathy for them? Probably not. Uh, You may think uh, that they're just lazy, overindulgent, and uh, deserving of what they get. So deserving, in fact, uh, that uh, they don't deserve any treatment for their problem? Apparently, this is a view that is held by some, uh, according to Erspin, which is uh, the Irish Society of Clinical Nutrition and Metabolism. Dr. Connor Woods is a consultant, endocrinologist and spokesperson for Erspin and on the line. And a very good morning to you. And thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme uh, this morning. Uh, that's a widely held view, you'd contend, is it?
9: Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me on your show. It is unfortunately and very sadly widely held. This perception seems to manifest throughout society. It's not uh, solely in Ireland. It is widespread throughout the world. Um, People judge uh, people with excess weight or obesity. And they see the weight. They make a conclusion that it is the person's fault, that it is the individual's fault that they chose to be obese or put on weight. And in all my many years of practicing and meeting patients and people with excess weight, I've never met a single person who's ever chosen to put on weight and the science and the evidence that we now accumulate and have reproduced clearly shows that there are many reasons for obesity but that it is not the individual's fault nobody chooses to be obese
4: okay and what are the reasons then if it's not because uh, they're not choosing to diet or uh, to eat less
9: I I wish there was a simple answer I will try and make it as simple Mm. as possible There, there are many factors that contribute to obesity And I suppose some of the the main ones to emphasize would be our environment. So we're all aware of the many significant changes to Irish society and the world in general over the last few decades, sedentary lifestyles, sedentary jobs. Uh, We don't walk and cycle as we used to. We drive everywhere. We don't uh, eat the same foods we did 10, 20, 50 years ago. We have much easier access to high-calorie, high-sugar foods. So... Our environment has significantly changed over the last few decades. That's one reason. A second really important reason is genetics. Uh, And again, we're not just talking about one gene. Mm. We're talking about multiple genes and multiple subtle changes across many genes. And these are genes that we've inherited from our parents and our grandparents. There's nothing we can do about that. That is the way we are born. And we are predisposed to put on weight due to these genetic changes. And there are other factors such as social behavior, Sometimes medications, doctors prescribe medications that can also predispose to weight gain.
4: All right. Uh, When you talked about the first uh, reason, which uh, was predominantly due to exercise or or lack of it and the type of food we eat, uh, and I'm sure you'd add portion sizes into that. Uh, I take it, though, that there are lifestyle choices that people are making and that they could choose to live differently.
9: Uh, Again, that is not backed up by the science The genetic makeup of our brains and the wiring in our brains, so the way we are hardwired, this is to do with reward centres, appetite centres, centres in the brain that control energy and weight. We have no control, we have no conscious control over these centres. So we cannot think ourselves thin. You cannot think I will not eat that. And the parts of the brain that control these centres, we have very little control over. So people do uh, consume excess calories and people do eat bigger portion sizes and people do make the wrong choice in terms of high calorie food but it's not a conscious choice it's not something they choose to do day in day out.
4: Okay now I, I take it Connor, that even if people do change uh, their lifestyle uh, and how they eat and how they exercise uh, and so on uh, that if uh, there are genetic reasons uh, for their obesity that that'll make no difference uh, that they'll continue to be overweight.
9: And, and that is sadly the case. People frequently, and you hear the story frequently. I can lose weight, but I just can't keep it off. And the body will not like weight loss, and and genetic changes and other hormonal changes and appetite changes will kick in to to try and restore that weight gain. And that's very disappointing with the the whole move more, eat less. Mm. We certainly recommend to patients to try that and to to look at their lifestyle but frequently it's not enough and, and we accept that it is difficult to, to get significant weight loss with.
4: Okay, that sounds like it's uh, impossible. Uh, no point in fighting a losing battle.
9: Never. We should always fight. There are uh, health gains to be made and, and it is coming down to health. You know, we, hmm. we need to try and talk about gaining health. Um, so we do recommend diet and lifestyle. We also have some medications. Um, unfortunately, they're not currently reimbursed and that's another barrier that patients with obesity Uh, come up against that the medications are difficult and expensive to access and there is other treatments such as bariatric surgery which is an excellent treatment for certain people with obesity but again it's difficult to access and is extensive waiting lists in the public
4: system at present. Okay but uh, in itself it can be dangerous as well can't it?
9: Uh, Obesity or or bariatric surgery?
4: The surgery yeah.
9: No surgery is is remarkably safe it's keyhole surgery and there, there is a risk with any operation, but the correct patient who's gone through a pre-assessment and is deemed suitable and the, the operation is deemed suitable for that patient, it's actually an incredibly safe operation in, in the correct hands. And the surgeons we have in, in Ireland operating are, are, are world-class and excellent.
4: What about the medication that you mentioned?
9: So there's a number of medications. Um, some are oral medications, tablets, um some are injection or hormonal uh, injection type uh, medications that anybody with diabetes might be aware of. Uh, and they, they do work for some patients, uh, but we are poor at understanding who they work for. We, we don't have an individualized way of predetermining who they will work for. So, unfortunately, there is a cost element, and then there is a, a trial and error where we, we trial patients on them for two to three months and see if they work for that patient.
4: Okay. Well, people can read more. Uh, about uh, the Erspen view on this uh, you have a uh, position paper the impact of obesity stigma in Irish society for nutrition and metabolism report uh, that's available on your website which is www.erspen.ie. we leave it there for the moment though and thank you indeed uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning Dr Connor Woods a consultant endocrinologist who brings our programme to its conclusion today our time has run out on us once again before we go thanks to Marie Kearns for producing, Maggie McGuire for researching and Chris Murray in the Control room. I'm Michael. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am, right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye.
3: The Michael Reid Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now, michael at lmfm.ie
10: That's plushcare.com slash loss plushcare.com slash loss
1: Hi, this is
10: Craig Robinson from ways
1: to win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
3: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.